Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Great to see you. How are you doing? I am okay. It's a little schwitzy. It, it is a little schwitzy, yes. It's a little Hel- warm here in Southern California. And uh, as you guys who are fans of the show know, I am trapped in my podcast closet, a.k.a. My bedroom closet. Right. And uh, there's no AC in here. And I am in my uh, back office here at my home, and uh, I do have AC, but apparently it is loud and not beneficial to podcast recording, so I have to turn it off before we start recording. Oh, that might even be worse to, yes. to have AC but not oh, right. be able to use it. Yeah, it's right over It's right over my shoulder there, just taunting me. <laughs> oh, the things we do for our listeners. I know. <laughs> Helen, by the way, I should point out, if you see me during our uh, Zoom recording today, uh, bending over, there's nothing illicit or weird going on. Uh, it's just that uh, my cat, Cookie, uh, recently brought home about uh, 200 of his friends who are fleas. Uh, <gasps> oh, and <no>. so <laughs> Yes. Despite having been medicated for fleas since he was a kitten, there were some breakthrough cases. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's the devil. Delta flea variant. Yes, it's the Delta flea variant, and oh, uh, no. yes, they really seem to enjoy my ankles and uh, and legs. You have itchy ankles right now. I do have itchy ankles. Um, we we uh, my girlfriend and I did a whole protocol. We there was a flea holocaust uh, recently in the, in this house where we yeah uh, but no that was necessary. Yeah, it was it was very necessary, and uh, we we got a prescription medication for him. He seems fine. He is not scratching. We don't have any fleas on him. <laughs> I am the one left with the legacy of this. Now, how how do you know that it was Cookie and not Muffin? Because Muffin uh, A is perfect, and B uh, <laughs> has not been scratching at all. Like it, it's weird because they both go outside. I give them the same medicine, and Muffin has never scratched or any, left any kind of remnant of flea. But there's something about Cookie that the the fleas just love. Oh, Cookie is the is the great flea attractor. He is, he is. And then he deposits the fleas in your house, and now they're on you. Yes, he just is the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, I would show you, but I don't want to completely disgust you before we begin. No, no, I've been getting, I I don't have a cluster of bites. I, I don't know if it's like a rogue spider or something, but I'll just get this one bite that's super itchy, and I don't think it's dog related. All right. Well, listeners, if you would like to uh, give us suggestions on what to do with our bites, obviously the best place to go for medical advice is to social media and a podcast. (laughs) Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who was up first? She is a writer who's written on several shows, including The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And a comedian who co-hosts the popular podcast Ruined. It's Allison Leiby. Hi, Allison Leiby. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. I'm a big fan of of your Twitter feed, which oh, I don't know you. if that's a that's, I guess it's a compliment, right? Yeah, I think I hope so. Yeah, it is. Oh well, <laughs> a big fan. No, no. I just I just mean I I didn't mean it in any insincere way. It's just it's kind of funny that like that's how I know you first, and yeah. then I find out you did all of these uh, wonderful projects that I enjoy. Yeah, but I spend more time on Twitter than on those projects, probably. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> well, let's talk about your podcast. For Ruined is such sure. a fun show. 
show, uh, you and your co-host uh, talk about horror movies, but not both of you are aficionados of horror movies. Tell us no. about that. Uh, my co-host, Hallie Kiefer, who's a brilliant writer, comedian, she is a horror movie obsessive, and I am terrified of them. I like, I've like i seen like two horror movies. I saw The Shining and Get Out, and I'm like, that's enough. That's all I ever need to see. <laughs> After that, you got out. I was like, I'm fully out. <laughs> I'm out. But if you love horror, it's great because Hallie is an expert to the 10th degree. I mean, she is mm -hmm. just so obsessed and knows so much and is a great reteller. I am actually so glad to hear about this podcast. I will yes. be tuning in because I'm just like you. Like, I want to yes. know the twist ending, right. but I don't want to get, I don't want to sit through the jump scares to get through get there i don't want to experience it but i want to know the information yeah and and yet you still manage to be scared by some of these movies that you have not seen i have had nightmares about several movies we've covered and i've never seen them <laughs> <laughs> what, what are the ones that uh, stick out for you i know the babadook i think was the one. the babadook right? is high up there um there's this movie that was on netflix that i had never heard of and i would love to go back to the time in my life where i had never heard of this movie because now it haunts me um, it's called The Wretched. I guess it came out sometime in the last few years. It's a Netflix produced. And it's truly like the trailer like is stuck in my brain. It's just <gasps> it's very well done. Um, and Hallie did a great job telling me about it. But it's like one of those movies that should be more popular for how scary it is. And it just it stuck with me. It just uh, goes to show you what good storytelling can do. Yes, a testament to Halley, really. <laughs> yes. Last one I want to ask you about, you did a set for Comedy Central that's available on YouTube, which is fantastic. And in it, you talk about having had an abortion. And yes. I was just curious, is that something you had to sort of work up to to be able to speak about so publicly? Or was that easy to talk about right away? I definitely don't think I would have handled that material as well if I was two years into stand-up. Um, I think <laughs> knowing how to write jokes and being over a decade in certainly helped. I have written a whole hour based around that material oh, wow. uh, called, Oh God, an hour about abortion, which is like kind of a winky, <laughs> like, does anybody want this? You know, of yeah. course not. But it's actually quite fun and light considering the material and the content yeah. that uh, I've been doing that around the city and 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 will continue you know no matter when you're listening to this there will be yeah. some future date where I'll be doing that hour in New York or hopefully somewhere else so it's been very fun to work on but certainly the first few times I did it I was like well this isn't going well <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you get feedback from women especially who maybe had felt ashamed or guilty about having gone through that and that that uh, it was helpful to be able to hear someone just talk about that as easily as other topics. More than once, somebody has said, like, I've never even told anybody that I had an abortion, and now I feel like I want to share that. But it's kind of mostly about, like, hey, let's just, like, be a little bit more open. If, like, if this wasn't all shrouded in secrecy, it probably wouldn't feel so absolutely terrifying every time it had to happen. So yeah. uh, that's kind of the goal. And, and it's been, you know, I think working. Plus jokes. Yes, and it's funny. I mean, oddly enough, it's very funny. <laughs> well, we're very happy to have the very funny and very enjoyable Allison Livey. Helen, against whom will Allison be competing? He is a comedian, filmmaker, and political activist whose debut comedy album, Airports, Animals, was just released on Arts and Crafts Records. It's Sean Devlin. Hello, Sean Devlin. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I have to say, I had a rare experience when I was listening to your album, Airport Animals, in that I was alone in my car and still found myself laughing out loud. Oh, wow. Thank you. Was, were you safe? I, I, I think so. You, I, I tend not to laugh violently when I'm driving. I, I was able to keep, keep my eyes on the road. But uh, you know what? If, I, if, if something had happened, what a way to go. Thank you. That's 
one of the most specific compliments ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, you touch on some big issues uh, in this uh, album, like racism and immigration, but in very small personal ways. What was the thinking behind that? I mean, I always just start from experience. So it was pretty natural that all the material in the album started from weird things that have happened to me. And I believe that everything is political. So I don't really start out thinking, oh, I want to talk about this issue. I'm just interested in talking about something that happened to me and maybe eventually connects to a political issue. Speaking of political, you've been a political activist, kind of a prankster. And what's great about the pranks that you do is they actually serve a political purpose and get results. Tell us about the one you did recently. Oh, yeah. One of uh, the right-wing cabinet ministers, he was asked why in his province childhood poverty was the highest it had ever been. He said, if my neighbor's child is hungry, it's not my job to feed them. So... We decided to organize a, a protest at his offices. And so these people donated food and then we used it to construct a wall that prevented him from going to work. Um, <laughs> so in the end, he actually ended up donating the food to the food bank. That's fantastic. I know some of the projects you've done in the past focus on getting young people in Canada to vote and you were successful in getting a lot of young Canadians registered. H how can we do that in America? It seems like we should be the leaders in people voting and yet uh, here we are. Part of our strategy was to borrow from you guys. So oh. Canada has such a button-down politeness when it comes to, to talking about politics. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of why we included a swear word in the name of our right. our movement, because we want people to feel comfortable expressing their anger more openly. And to be honest, I feel like in the States, you're already there. Like people seem really <laughs> yeah. comfortable expressing their anger openly. So we've definitely worked through the not being polite part pretty, pretty thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. I think coming up from under the, the time of Trump is definitely going to be a plus because hopefully people will feel like there's more chance of things changing if they engage. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, you got to work as a consulting producer on the Borat sequel, Borat subsequent movie film. Uh, what kind of consulting did you do? And that did that work into your prankster and uh, political activism? Basically, I, I was brought in to help uh, facilitate getting certain people to participate in scenes because a lot of the people in those films don't fully realize what their process is yes. in. Yeah. Um, Hopefully they so, don't realize at all because if they did, I don't know why they would go near it. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Sasha Rancon. I had idolized him for years. And so, uh, but that particular film was really pointed in terms of its electoral politics. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was very humbling because I, I had really idolized him and a lot of people he worked with for a long time. So more than anything, I think I learned from from being around the process about the very complicated ways in which they make these uh, incredible films. It's happen. like when they send um, like shoplifters to prison, and they come to come out even better shoplifters than when they went in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great metaphor. Well, yeah. well, I'm glad that we were somehow able to dupe you into joining us today, Sean Devlin. Everybody, yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. All right, Allison and Sean, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Allison, you told us you know a lot about otters, mid-aughts celebrity tabloid culture and gossip blogs, and the soup episode of Seinfeld, and you were quick to point out, not the soup Nazi. Yes, often. Whereas, 
Yes. Whereas, Sean, you said you know a lot about the Toronto Raptors, the TV show The Office, and the career of Will Smith. We have a lot to unpack because later on we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Rare Earth. First up, Allison with Rare. Your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, hit it. Hey, hi, Helen and Jay Keith. This is Scott Jaffe in El Cerrito, California. My question for What's the Difference is, while they both might be things you have to go to the ends of the earth to find, What's the difference between something being rare and scarce? Rare and scarce. Thank you, Scott. Allison, what is the difference between rare and scarce? I feel like the difference is that something that is scarce was once more plentiful and something Mm -hmm. that is rare has never existed in a large quantity. Okay. and uh, Does that sound like English? (laughs) It it does. Are you going to translate that feeling into your answer? I think... That's the only way I would know how to describe what I think that difference is. Okay, very good. Uh, We'll take it. All right, Uh, Sean, we don't know yet if Allison is entirely correct. You have a chance to steal if you don't think so. What do you think? I was going to say scarce has to do with quantity. Mm -hmm. So if something is scarce, there's not a lot of it. But that maybe rare has to do with perception. Mm. Meaning something could be rare but not scarce because there could be a lot of it but we simply don't come across it interesting all right said with the confident shrug uh (laughs) (laughs) all right well this segment needs to make itself scarce let's go to helen hong at the judges table for the facts here are the facts rare means something is uncommon there just aren't that many in existence. Scarce means that there isn't enough of something. It could be common, but the available supply of it is less than the current demand for it. That is right. Uh, as an example, there's plenty of toilet paper. It's not rare, but as we learned last year during a national emergency, it can become pretty scarce, as can common sense. Helen, how did our guest do in this segment? I think I'm going to give Allison Leiby one point because you said rare uh, is something that never existed in large quantity, which is true. Uh, you didn't quite get scarce. So yeah, one point for you, Allison. All right, one point for Allison. Very good. All right, up next in Rare Earth, Sean with Earth. Sean, while both might help your rare or scarce plants grow, when you're shopping at a garden store, what's the difference between the ingredients in garden soil and potting soil? Garden soil and potting soil. Sean, open mouth stunned. (laughs) Can't believe he's being asked this thing that, of course, he always knew and was willing to tell. The ingredients in garden soil are more rich more rich and the ingredients in potting soil are less interesting and less capable of sustaining life for a long period of time all right uh sean shifting his eyes left and right like a like a gangster or a bad poker player uh we've got your answer sean uh we don't know if he's entirely correct allison what do you think i i'm i have lots of house plants um my guess is that potting soil contains more synthetic ingredients Mm. because it's sustaining life in a small space, whereas garden soil 
You don't want to risk more chemicals going into the earth. So perhaps that one is a little bit more natural. More natural. Okay. That's uh, <laughs> Allison taking a slight bow uh, at, the Thank of, you. at the end of that one as well. Thank you so much. All right. Well, this segment is soiling our reputations. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both garden soil and potting soil are commercial products specially manufactured for sale. The difference is garden soil starts with minerals mixed into organic materials and has helpful living microbes. Microbes. Potting soil starts with no minerals, just the organic materials. It has no living things in it. In fact, because all the living microbes are killed with heat or chemicals, it has to have plant food added. That's right. Now, potting soil typically adds limestone to balance the pH. Garden soil typically mixes in composted chicken manure, which is great if you want to grow a chicken poop tree. Helen, how did our guests do in that? I feel like each of you got one point, actually. Because you are both sort of circling the drain. Yes. But didn't <laughs> quite make it in the hole. You know what I mean? What yes. a what a metaphor. You guys were in the garden, but you weren't mm-hmm. in the like where the plants are. <laughs> yes, yes. You were the pile of uh, soil waiting to be put into the garden, but you did get the bag of soil home from the garden store. All right, yeah. one point each. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Allison Livey has two points and Sean Devlin has one point. Those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Prepare yourself for the greatest pro wrestling podcast spectacular known as Tights and Fights. A back-dropping audio showcase that helps you understand the world of pro wrestling with a lot of love and no toxic masculinity. Featuring host Danielle Radford. Time to kick butt and chew gum, and I'm all out of butts. Lindsay Cow. I'm a brutal Brit, and my fists were made to punch and hit. And Hal Loblin. I was doing the voiceover this whole time. Hear us talk about pro wrestling's greatest triumphs and failures. And make fun of its weekly absurdities. On the Perfect Wrestling Podcast. Tights and Fights. Every Saturday, Saturday, Saturday on Maximum Fun. Oh, Helen, I love Magic Spoon so much. I love to so much. eat it with a spoon. I sometimes will eat it with my hand. Uh, it's not gross. It's beautiful. I love Magic Spoon. Oh, and I'm going to try to mention this sooner this time. It's a cereal. Magic Spoon <laughs> is indeed a cereal. <laughs> you know, if you've been trying to cut down on carbs or sugar or unhealthy food in general, Sometimes it feels like you can't eat anything, but you know what you can eat? Magic Spoon, and you can eat it happily. Oh, Helen, tell them the numbers about why Magic Spoon is so great. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, 140 calories, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. You can build your own box or get a variety pack with available flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. I have an exciting update on those flavors. Magic Spoon is bringing back two of its very popular flavors, cookies and cream and maple waffle, permanently. They had been Mm. available just for a limited time, but because they were so popular, I like to think I had something to do with it. They're bringing them back permanently. Disclaimer, I may have had nothing to do with it. (laughs) 
Go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab your delicious cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code GOFACT at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. I wish I were that confident in anything. <laughs> Remember, get your next delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com slash GoFact and use the code GoFact to save $5 off. Thank, Thank you, Magic Spoon. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Allison Leiby and Sean Devlin. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Allison, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about otters, mid-aughts celebrity tabloid culture and gossip blogs, and the soup episode of Seinfeld, not the soup Nazi. Yes. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you chose otters as a topic that you love. I just love otters. Have you seen one? They're amazing. Yes. <laughs> I follow There's... one on Instagram. Oh, I follow several. Oh. They're so important. I follow a lot of aquariums. Um <laughs> I don't know how I ended up. I think like it was an Instagram kind of like mm -hmm. slippery slope where I started like looking at a cat and like ended up at like a Japanese sea life <laughs> like conservatory. And I was just like, how do I get these guys in my life? They seem amazing. And how um, did you go from looking at pictures of them to knowing a lot about them? Well, once I saw what they were up to and they, you know, <laughs> they have pockets like I'm a woman. I love something with pockets mm. for my birthday this year, since no one could do anything. My friends got me a virtual meet the otters at the shed aquarium. No. And so like it was like a Zoom you join and like the marine biologists who work there kind of like video just the otters doing stuff and they give you facts and tell you all about what they're, you know, all their personalities. Oh, it was so much fun. Best birthday ever. Truly it was. <laughs> all right. You also said you know a lot about mid-aughts, not mid-otters, but mid-aughts, yes. celebrity tabloid culture and gossip blogs. Tell us about yes. that. I was in college in my early 20s. I was obsessed with the celebrity gossip industrial complex. Uh, <laughs> I read... All, you know, delisted, the superficial, Us Weekly. And now that that era is over and I have continued to develop personally, I am fascinated by how terrible that era was. <laughs> I personally think that tabloids and gossip blogs are part of why the 2008 financial crash happened. Oh, wow. Whoa. Whoa, we got into a theory. It was the first time that American culture was exposed to the daily lives of celebrities, which is, you know, maybe I can't buy a Montecito mansion, but I can buy $150 jeans on a credit card. And that's what Jennifer Aniston wears. <laughs> wow. So I'm going to get those. It pushed consumerism in a way that I think without it, consumer debt might not have been such a, a, a crisis. That absolutely makes sense. Plus, Britney Spears had a snake. What was that about? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And finally, Allison, you told us you know a lot about the soup episode of Seinfeld, and you were very clear, not the soup Nazi. The soup Nazi, also an excellent episode. I've seen every episode of Seinfeld no less than 50 to 100 times. It is, to me, the gold standard of, of, of half-hour television. Um, and I, I think like people get obsessed with 
you know, the soup Nazi and like the puffy shirt and like the very distinctive iconic episodes. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the best comedy exists in these not as famous or iconic in terms of like a phrase or or something like that. I had Um, no idea that there was a separate episode called The Soup, which was not The Soup Nazi. There was a lot of soup comedy done on Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) And for that, I respect them even more. (laughs) Uh, Fun fact, we actually had the actor who played The Soup Nazi, Larry Thomas, as an expert on episode 39 of Go Fact Yourself. Amazing. Amazing. It was really, really fun. Allison, so to summarize, you said you know a lot about otters, mid-aughts celebrity tabloid culture and gossip blogs, and the soup episode of Seinfeld, not the soup Nazi. Today we're going to quiz you about otters. <gasps> Hooray! I hope an otter is the expert. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll see. This would not be our first time having an animal as an expert on the show. <laughs> where do you go to see otters in New York City, if anywhere, where you live? I haven't really found any tri-state otter access. I, <laughs> I would love it. If anybody knows, please tell me. I would okay. love to see some otters in person. I did find a place in California that you can pay like $4,000 to <gasps> swim with them. And I was like, all right, that's on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> so, so have you seen an otter in person? I haven't. I mean, oh I'm sure at some point as a child at my zoo and aquarium visits, I came mm-hmm. across one, but I wasn't as attuned to how amazing they are back then. Somebody and, get know. this woman an otter visit. Hello. Get me to an Hello, otter. somebody. Uh, I know somebody in our listenership can make this happen somehow. The Vancouver Aquarium has really incredible otters. <gasps> and there's also just a lot of otters uh, in the waters around Vancouver. They're just chilling? Like otters See, just chilling? Whoa. Vancouver is where the the, the otters go. They're All like, right. hey, man. I got to go to Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. I, l- I love guests helping out other guests. We'll see yes. if Allison can help Sean with uh, <laughs> loving one of his topics even more. <laughs> All right, Allison. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Sean, do listen closely because you can steal if Allison gets any wrong. Sean, by the way, how much do you know about otters? Um... <laughs> They're cute and they're around me. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's see if those answers come up in our quiz. Uh, spoiler, they won't. All right. Here's question number one for Allison Livey. Allison, there's an otter called the giant river otter, which makes sense because it's a giant otter, the longest in the world, and makes sense because it lives in a giant river, the second largest in the world and the largest in South America. What is this river? The Amazon? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. The Amazon River, home of the giant river otter. Fun fact, the giant river otter was feared extinct in Argentina, but conservationists there spotted one in the wild in May. Oh, good for them. Nice, yes. They They say Argentina is the Vancouver of the South. (laughs) <laughs> All right, here's question number two. Unlike most other marine mammals, otters don't have a layer of blubber for insulation. So what do they rely on to keep themselves warm? Their fur. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Fun fact, sea otters hold the Guinness record for densest mammal fur of any mammal, up to 2.6 million hairs per square inch. What? 2.6 million hairs per square inch. What? During my otter visit, uh, <laughs> yes. digital visit, they told us that a square inch of an otter's fur is the same amount of fur as an entire German shepherd. <gasps> that is crazy because yes. I have I have a husky German shepherd mix 
And I feel like there's 2.6 million hairs just flying around my house <laughs> yeah. right now. Just flying yeah. around my house. Boy, otters are very hard to vacuum after. <laughs> All right, Allison, you're two for two. Here's question number three. There are 13 known species of otter, but which of the following is not one of them? Is it the Eurasian otter, miniature otter, Congo clawless otter, hairy-nosed otter, or smooth-coated otter? Um... Can I get a hint? Helen, how about that first hint? The Congo clawless is a real species of otter. I'm going to guess the furry nose otter. That would be the hairy nosed otter? Hairy nosed otter. Okay, Helen, is it the hairy nosed otter? It is not the hairy nosed otter. No, no I want to meet that otter. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I hear he's got a hairy nose. Sean Devlin with a chance to steal. My knowledge of otters is so limited. All I can say is that I once saw. An episode of TV where they showed pictures of otters to Benedict Cumberpatch <laughs> because they looked really similar to him. Uh-huh. So that would mean which one of these isn't real? The mini. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Oh, oh, I don't deserve this. That is crazy. You just guessed? I guessed. Wow. No, no, no. He, you took your deep knowledge of having seen Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> yeah. interact with otters and knew he would never interact with a miniature they, otter. They didn't They didn't show him any photos of miniature otters that looked like him. Whoa. That's very sound logic. I was literally hoping the miniature otter was real. Yeah. It's a little disappointing. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, fun fact, the smallest of all 13 species is the Asian short-clawed otter, but it is not called the miniature otter. It could, however, be called a movie star because an Asian short-clawed otter provided the sounds of the tauntaun in The Empire Strikes Back. What? That's right. It was not a real tauntaun, Helen. I'm sorry to have to tell you. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought these things smelled bad on the outside. Exactly. And they sound a lot like Asian short-clawed otters. Whoa. <laughs> All right, Allison, wow. let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. According to a recent article in the New York Times, there's a creature in the water that sea otters eat so much of, it prompted a scientist to say they eat them like popcorn. What is this delicious otter snack? I know they like oyster, or they like cracking things open. Um, mm-hmm. Clams? Helen, is it clams? It is not clams. No, no. I'm terribly sorry. Sean Devlin, another chance to steal. Uh, Red Lobster used to sell popcorn shrimp. I'm going to go shrimp. <laughs> is it shrimp? <laughs> it is not shrimp. No, no, it also is not uh, those uh, buttery biscuits that they sell at Red Lobster either. No, no, we're looking for sea urchins. They eat oh, over... Oh, yeah. Yes, they eat hundreds and hundreds of sea urchins uh, every day. Fun fact, otters eat so many sea urchins, in fact, they help protect the ocean environment, leading them to be called a keystone species. Here's Mm. question number five. Allison, you do still have a hint available. Okay. Many otter species were hunted nearly to extinction for their fur, a fate not uncommon to the family of animals to which they belong, a family of animals that includes the mink, the sable, and the ermine. To what taxonomic family do all these rare and or scarce animals belong? Oof, I just looked this up, too, and now am fully blanking because scientific words fall out of my head so yes. quickly. Um, it is a question number five. It's supposed to be tricky. You do have that hint if you'd like to use the let hint. Me, let me do the hint and see if it sparks anything. All right, Helen, how about that second hint? It kind of sounds like what you have to unscrew to get into a jar of Grey Poupon. Is it like lid to something? Lid day? I'm going to say lid day. I don't think that's a real word, but that's my guess. Helen, is there more to the hint than that? There is more to the hint. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. It rhymes with 
Blustablid. So think so. Grey Poupon okay. rhymes with Blustablid. Mustablid, mustamid, mustamid. I'm gonna say mustamid. Is that a word, Helen? I'm gonna give Everyone. it to you. I'm gonna give you it are. to you. Yes. Okay. It is mustalid. 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 Yes. Mustalid or mustalidai. All right. Uh, that's a point for that one. Very nice uh, job on that, Allison. Right. Fun fact: the mustalid family also includes the badger, the wolverine, and the ferret. Bonus fun fact: I have a tattoo of a ferret, which I recently learned is a mustalid. That is a really fun family of animals. Yeah. 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 Badgers, wolverines, otters. Ermans, up to a lot of stuff. Ma- yeah, yeah, sables. Yeah. I, they're all very pettable. Pettable they family. Don't ca- they don't care what anyone thinks about them. Yeah, that is a family <laughs> picnic I want to witness. The badger, wolverine, <laughs> ferret, and otter all together. All right, Allison, you ended up doing pretty well in that, but here now is your expert-level question that requires multiple <laughs> answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Allison, we've talked about otters. Now let's talk about how we talk about otters. For up to three points, what is a grouping of sea otters gathered on the water called? What is a baby otter called? And what is otter poop called? Okay, I'm going to the second one first because I know there are pups. Okay, those are the babies. A group of them. Collective nouns for animals are so fascinating. I don't. I know that their den is called a couch. I know that's not the question. (laughs) That's right. Always happy to have you show off there. Just to be uh, like, it, here's some otter facts. Indeed. Um, and we're specifically looking for sea otters when they're gathered on the water. They 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 are called something when they're okay. in that formation, in that location. I'm going to say this knowing it's not right, but a wharf of otters. A wharf of otters. All right. <laughs> and um, uh, what does a wharf of otters leave behind as their poop? I, ugh, pellets? Pellets. <laughs> all right. We've got Allison's answers. We don't know yet if she is correct or not. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a senior instructor at Oregon State University's Department of Fisheries, Wildlife, and Conservation Sciences and the founder of the International Union of Conservation for Nature's Otter Specialist Group. It's Dr. Nicole Duplay. Hello, Dr. Duplay. Hi there. Please call me Nicole. I don't want to sound more pompous. Than I am. <laughs> I don't know. Pomposity is always welcome on this show, but I, I will abide by your wish, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us. Good. Well, I've uh, laughed more in the last hour than I have probably in the last year and a half. Oh, <laughs> oh that's we good. Love that. That's very kind of here. That says a lot coming from uh, otter pomposity. Yes. (laughs) Well, the first thing I have to ask is, do you have an otter to uh, show us on camera? Well, on my desk, Yes. I have an an otter footprint. (gasps) Oh, okay. Look at that. It's adorable. plated in gold? (laughs) What's going on? No, it's not. It's bronze. Ah, okay. It came in third place. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a front paw or a back that paw? Is, those are some intense that's claws the, there. That's the back paw of a Eurasian otter. Because oh. uh, if you came to my house, you could see many, many sculptures and paintings and everything. When you've studied animals for 45 years, everybody gives you 
otters. <laughs> <laughs> you're very easy to shop for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the work that you've been doing for a long time. Tell us about the otter specialist group that you helped found in 1974. Uh, IUCN has uh, many specialist groups, usually species or groups of species, and uh, otters were in a very bad way back then. And there's only one that's out of real trouble, and that's our very own North American river otter. And if you meet a river otter, I'm going to tell you how to greet it. <gasps> Please do. The, no, the noise that you have to make, which is the polite, how do you do, is... <laughs> what? <laughs> That's very Joker-esque. No, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and if you didn't do it right, the otter will be frightened and, and it will go... <laughs> <gasps> what? Do that again. Oh, my God. That is a tauntaun. That is straight up tauntaun. Wow. It is a tauntaun. That's crazy. They're so majestic. Yeah, they- <laughs> They're just like us. Well, uh, well uh, Dr. Duplay, I have to say, for all the studying that you've done, I feel like your career has peaked with you making that sound on our podcast. <laughs> I do have a question, though, about one of our initial questions that we asked, which is that an otter has 2.6 million hairs per square inch on their body. Yeah. But is that true? Yeah, and and some uh, say three million. So <gasps> uh, yes, uh, sea otter's fur is the most dense and and wonderful and velvety in the whole world. Oh my god! I have a new bucket list item. I need to touch a sea otter. Yeah. Yes. Have you have you encountered any otters uh, in Vancouver? I hear they're very yes. popular and polite. Just a, few, uh, a year ago, I was in Vancouver to look for the sea otters that are doing very well there. They were reintroduced about twenty years ago. Did you get off the plane in Vancouver and just start going? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know what was terrible is that when you are all day long listening to otter sounds, it comes up at inopportune moments. For instance, is somebody whispering sweet nothings in your ear, you go. (laughs) 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 But if that person answers back, then you know you found the match. (laughs) Do you also appreciate the pockets that otters have? Well, only sea otters have them. Only sea otters have the pockets, okay. And they just kind of lie around most of the day and and eat delicious uh, seafood. So I I just envy them all. Totally. (laughs) Please explain about the pockets. So they have pockets like on the side, as if on the side of a skirt? No, it's basically under their arm, you know, and and Uh. in a sense we do too, you know. So they just put a rock under their arm and you know, hold it under there and go and get something. And it's their favorite rock. And, you know, it's not a real pocket with a zipper. Oh, okay, okay. So there's no zippers or snaps. But, yeah, no, how many of us haven't done that when, you know, you run out of places to put things, you just hold it under your arm? We're we're so alike. We're not that different from the sea otter. I also have favorite rocks. <laughs> yeah, is that what you that, <laughs> Let's get to the reason we brought you here, Nicole, as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Alice and Libby. First, we wanted to know, what is a grouping of sea otters gathered on the water called. Helen, what did Allison say? Allison said a wharf. And Dr. Duplay? <laughs> it's called a raft. Ah, a raft. And Feels is that because close. it sort of looks like yeah. a raft? Uh, yes, it does. It looks like, you know, this carpet of brown things floating on the surface. Wait, how mm. do they stay together? Do they hold hands? Please say yes. Uh, that un- <laughs> no, not really. Uh, that happens in zoos when there's circulation in the pool. And as they don't want to drift and hit the side, they say, okay, we're going to hold on to each other and stay in the oh. middle. 
Uh, very adorable and very interesting. All right, no point there, though. Uh, next, we wanted to know, what is a baby otter called? Helen, what did Allison say? Allison said pup. And uh, doctor? Yes, correct. Hey. Correct, and a big thumbs up from the professor. Very good, Allison. That's a point for you. And finally, we wanted to know, what is otter poop called? Helen, what did Allison say? Allison said pellets. And uh, Dr. Duplay? No, it's called spray. Uh, and it's wow. an old English word. You know, the British have funny names for all kinds of animal things. Like a badger den is called a set. Otter den is called a holt. A holt. Oh, oh. What was a couch or sofa that Allison said? Was it a couch? The proper term for an otter couch is a hover. Oh, it gets better and okay. better. But no, I'm sorry. Sprint was the correct answer for their poop. And that's S-P-R-A-I-N-T. Allison, is there anything you'd like to ask of our expert while we have her here? Do otters have any like natural friends in the animal world? Are there any animals they get along with or cohabitate with and don't eat? (laughs) Yes. In zoos, for instance, small clawed otters, you know, the minuscule otter, has been kept with orangutans, and orangutans are fascinated by otters. Uh, If you ever go to Singapore, you will see over 100 otters or more now in the city going in different groups and stuff. So they can get along with people. Yes. Just okay. chilling in the city? What? Yes. Yes. Hey, they're going out to eat. They got to eat their shellfish. Yeah. <laughs> and then the koi and the koi in the ponds, which is not very popular. There are at least three Pixar movies just in the images that you yes. just described right now. <laughs> it's been so great that you've been able to join us and share your love of otters. If people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they do that? Well, uh, there are 385 experts around the world trying to, to uh, develop programs uh, to conserve otters. And if you love otters, please go to the otterspecialistgroup.org and press the donate button because otters really need you. And they deserve all the love they can get. Oh, well, it's so wonderful that you were able to share your love with us. And it's a great cause to help support an animal population that needs it. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Nicole Duplay. Thank you. Helen, what is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the end of that round, Allison Leiby has six points and Sean Devlin has two points with a round of questions for Sean coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Sean about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Allison and Sean will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Congratulations. You've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. Wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. (laughs) Can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch, catch the wave! You don't need me to tell you the job market is a mess right now. Whether you're looking for a new opportunity or want to make yourself a stronger candidate for promotion, how you present yourself is key to taking that next step. I wish there were some sort of a secret sauce, Helen. There is! What? Yes! Executive presence is the secret sauce to success. Hmm. 
Rotman Business School's unique virtual executive presence program will equip you with tools and tips to engage and influence others. Yeah, Rotman has designed this comprehensive virtual program to work around your current schedule. With Rotman Business School's executive presence, you can balance working from home and watching the kids with building your emotional intelligence and making connections with peers across all sorts of different industries. The University of Toronto Rotman School of Management is one of the best schools in Canada and the world ranked number 17 for open enrollment executive education by the Financial Times. Visit uoft.me slash executive presence. That's uoft.me slash executive presence to learn more and apply. Class starts September 15th. Start your application today to save your seat. That's uoft.me slash executive presence. Rotman. Here's where it changes. Thank you, Rotman Business School. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Allison Leiby and Sean Devlin. Once again, here's Jakey at Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Sean, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the Toronto Raptors, the TV show The Office, and the career of Will Smith. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you love the Toronto Raptors, and for our listeners, I'm guessing, you may have to explain what that is. The Toronto Raptors are the only Canadian team in the National Basketball Association. I would say the reason that I have been so close to them is because they were founded when I was... 11 or 12, Mm -hmm. they clearly named their team based on the popularity of the film Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's very clear. If you combine basketball and that movie about dinosaurs, it was obviously targeted at 11-year-old boys. So I was was the demographic, and they they hooked me in, and I've been a fan ever since. Their motto is... (laughs) (laughs) Chris Bosch finds a way Uh, All right, you also said, Sean, that you know a lot about the TV show The Office I do, but I want to give some praise to Allison here For the brilliance of her topic selection Because she chose a single episode of Seinfeld (laughs) And I wish I had had the intelligence to choose a single episode Now, are you talking about the British office or the US office? I've definitely seen both several times. I've mm-hmm. seen the American office several more times, especially during the pandemic. That sure. was a sort of comfort watch. So I'm hoping you went with the American office. But <laughs> if you went with the British one, this is all my own mistake. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And as if that weren't broad enough, you finally chose the career of Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Which are several episodes of a TV show, several movies, several <laughs> several albums. I think even TikToks um, at this point. Yeah, really. <laughs> Anyhow, tell us what you love so much about the career of Will Smith. I love his presence on the internet, including the way he reflects on his own career. Hmm. Yeah, he's just so charming, and, and uh, I love everything he does, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, to summarize, Sean, you said you know a lot about the Toronto Raptors, the TV show The Office, and the career of Will Smith. Today, we're going to quiz you about... The career of Will Smith. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite era of his career or maybe the favorite, uh, some favorite projects of his that you've enjoyed? I mean, when he started on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, that was right at the age where that was my favorite show. So that was really well-timed. And then I think I really liked when he turned into an action star, which I'm not sure anyone expected. 
Right. Um, but he did very effectively. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Allison, do listen closely because if Sean answers incorrectly, you can steal. Allison, how much do you know about the career of Will Smith? I think it's limited to Independence Day and Fresh Prince. So we'll see. <laughs> Indeed, we will. All right. Here's question number one for Sean Devlin. Sean, Will Smith isn't just a huge international movie star. He's also won critical acclaim for his film work. He was twice nominated for an Oscar, the first for a 2001 movie role in which he played what famous boxer and activist who floated like a butterfly and stung like a bee? Muhammad Ali. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. He floated like a butterfly, stung like a bee, and swam like an otter. Fun fact, Will Smith was also nominated for an Oscar for 2006's The Pursuit of Happiness. Sean, here's question number two. Will Smith's biggest hit at the box office wasn't an Independence Day, a Bad Boys, or even a Men in Black. It was instead a 2019 live-action remake of a 1992 animated movie. What's the name of this blockbuster and its original? Can I get the hint? I'm totally blanking. Okay, how about that first hint, Helen? The role was voiced by Robin Williams in the original movie. Oh, Aladdin. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course, Aladdin. Fun fact, at the box office, 1992's Aladdin made about $504 million worldwide. 2019's remake made twice that, over $1 billion. What? Yep. Wow. And the Broadway show, when Broadway was open, was making about a million dollars a week. Everybody went to go see Aladdin but me? I I didn't see it either. Uh, Sean, did you see Aladdin? I actually haven't seen that one. Wow. Sean. Allison, what about you? No. Okay. Well, that, that, that could be a scary movie that uh, <laughs> your co-host <laughs> ends up describing to you. Yes. Very good. You got uh, two points so far in this quiz. Here's question number three. Sean, Will Smith's first leading film role was a dramatic one in an adaptation of a Tony-winning play. He starred alongside Stockard Channing, who was nominated for an Oscar for her work. What was the name of the play and the movie? Six Degrees of Separation. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. In fact, Smith's first movie role was a smaller part in Where the Day Takes You, which was co-written by Michael Hitchcock, who was our expert in the topic of Best in Show on episode 79 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, Sean, you're three for three. Here's question number four. Will Smith, as you mentioned, became a star on the sitcom The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but that wasn't his only sitcom appearance. On what fellow NBC sitcom of the 1990s did he make a memorable appearance as himself? Oh, no. I have no Friends? Helen, was it Friends? It was not Friends. No, I'm terribly sorry. Allison, with a chance to steal wasn't Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not this, but I'm just going to say Frasier. Helen, was it Frasier? It was not Frasier. No, I'm sorry. It was not Frasier. No, I would have loved to see what he and Niles could have done together, though. Yes. That was Blossom. We were looking for Blossom. Blossom, which also aired uh-huh. on Monday nights, often back-to-back with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Fun fact, Will Smith was given the nickname Prince Charming in high school, which he adapted into The Fresh Prince. And then apparently some guys started making trouble in the neighborhood. All right, let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. You do still have a hint available, Sean. Will Smith's career isn't just about making music, TV, and movies. He and his family also launched a business to sell merchandise. What is this company called? Can I get the hint? You definitely can, Helen. How about that second hint? It's not bad bads. Good goods? 
Helen? That is correct. That is correct. I think you surprised even yourself on that, John. I did. I did. <laughs> An excellent use of the hint. Uh, very good. Fun fact, Good Goods is one of several businesses under the Smiths Holding Company called Westbrook, Inc. All right, Sean, you ended up doing quite well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Sean, we've asked about Will Smith's movie, TV, and merchandising career, but of course he's also had great success in the music business, though he didn't do it alone. In 1988, Smith and another artist won the first ever Grammy for Best Rap Performance for a single from their album, which went triple platinum, selling over three million copies. For up to three points, what was the name of that album, what was the Grammy-winning single, and who also got that Grammy win with Will Smith? His collaborator was DJ Jazzy Jeff. Okay. I think the single was Summertime. Okay. What was the name of that album? 1988, sold over 3 million copies. I want to say The Fresh Prince? Called The Fresh Prince. Okay, uh, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor, producer, and hip-hop pioneer whose many accomplishments include winning multiple Grammys while working with Will Smith. It's the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. What? Hello, <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff. There you go. <laughs> what? This How is incredible. <laughs> How you doing, Sean? Wow, this is incredible. Oh my god, I'm fangirling. I'm fangirling. <laughs> yeah, I'm speechless. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. Absolutely. This first of all, let me just say that I have a list of notes about otters that I am doing <laughs> deep research on yeah. that I was laughing so much and 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 I, I have my notes, so I have my work cut out for me. <laughs> so much to learn. Thank you, Allison. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, Jeff, you're, of course, known for uh, taking samples from things that uh, are hard to find and flipping them around. I would love to see and hear you use some otter sounds uh, in some of your future jams. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Now, people, of course, know you for your recorded work, but uh, you've been busy during this pandemic with live performances. Tell us what you've been doing every week. I do a magnificent house party every Saturday on Twitch. Once everybody got stuck in the house, it was kind of like, let me just play some music to kind of ease some of the anxiety that people had. And it's turned out to be a blessing, not just for people that I'm playing for, but for myself also. As I mentioned, you are known for finding unusual cuts to sample and kind of flipping them around. Are there some that stand out as your favorite discoveries? My brain kind of goes blank when people ask me my favorite because I kind of look at it like it's someone's asking you to pick your favorite kid. And I don't want to make the other kids, you know, not feel welcome. Right, right. (laughs) I am a music junkie. You know, this is all day, every day I'm listening to music. Music is my biggest joy and my biggest curse because it keeps me up in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the joy definitely comes through in the music that you put out. The curse, maybe that's when you play it backwards. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) You got into DJing at a very early age. You about 10 years old when you started doing that for people? I was 10 years old. I went to a block party in Philadelphia. I was mesmerized by the DJ's control of the records he played and how people enjoyed it. 
I remember looking, saying, I want to do that. I want to make people happy through music. For sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, you actually won some competitions early on. Yeah. Won a couple world championships. I retired very early from that. Once Will and I kind of got together and we started making music and traveling around the globe, that became my focus. Well, let's talk about the work that you did with Will. You won that first Grammy for rap, as we mentioned, and that wasn't an entirely happy experience. We were upset, I guess, about how the Academy was handling that. Tell us about what they did and how you dealt with it. That was very early on in hip hop and rap. And we were excited that they added a category But we were a little bit displeased that they did not want to televise it. And at that time, rap music and hip hop was probably the number two music genre in the world. And we kind of felt that it was a disrespect that they did not want to televise it. So we chose to boycott it. Mm. It turned out that everybody else boycotted and they ended up televising it the year after that and and every year since. Wow. So you affected change. Wow. Yep. That is really great. I know you got a lot of respect from the hip-hop community because of that. You actually won another Grammy a few years later. So what was that uh, Grammy experience like for you? That was amazing. It was really funny because Will didn't think we were going to win. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to the Grammys by myself. (laughs) Oh, no kidding. And he was actually in New York at a hotel watching it on television. What? (laughs) And when they announced that we had won, he tried to race over to the theater. So I had to go on stage by myself and accept it and said, you know, my partner, he couldn't be here, but I want to accept this on behalf of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So it was a, it was a great moment. I was mad that I couldn't share it with him. 15 minutes later, the doors swing open. He's like, I'm here! I'm here! I'm here! In addition to being an actor on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you guys, of course, also wrote the theme song. And I understand that was not something that was so difficult to write and produce once he had the concept of the show. When the whole idea of the show came, I remember Will was saying that Quincy wanted to get someone to make a song. And I looked at Will and I said, there's no way in the world that you're going to do a TV show and we don't make the theme song. (laughs) And I literally made the song in 15 minutes. He wrote it. We recorded it. And I sent it in almost as a placeholder. Mm. Like, okay, we're going to come back and rework this later. And that's the song and the version (laughs) that stayed. I never got a chance to redo it. That's the that's the theme song and the exact crappy mix that I did to send it as a placeholder (laughs) is still on the air. Your napkin doodling is now like permanently embedded in all of our brains forever. Yes. Yes. And and that Quincy you mentioned, of course, was Quincy Jones. And is it is it a little odd to you that that's probably when you think about it, your most known piece of work like around the world? Millions and millions of people know you from that. I told someone last year. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is the biggest rap song in history. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I was asking people to tell me, tell me one that's bigger. Tell yeah. me one that more people know yeah. and right. no one could come up with it. <gasps> yeah. In a music career, you want that one thing that stands the test of time. Yeah. I actually feel like we were blessed with three. We were blessed with not just the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We were blessed with Summertime, which is everybody's favorite summer song as soon as it starts to get warm. And we were actually blessed with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air TV show, which became something that generations have been watching. So 
I can't ask for anything. Everything could be downhill from here and I'd be okay. I think everyone on this chat is in agreement that you need to do a remix with otter sounds. (laughs) Yes. I am going to do that right away. (laughs) Based off of the notes that I have. Okay, good. We'll look forward to the follow-up, the Fresh Prince of Vancouver. (laughs) Yes. I have been to Singapore and I have seen the otters. What? Wow. Oh, I missed it. That's amazing. Sean mentioned that one of the things he uh, admires about Will Smith's career was that he was surprised that he was this uh, rapper and sitcom star who turned into an action star. Oh, was that something that surprised you? And what did you think of it as it was happening at the time? Not at all. From the day that I met Will, I knew that Will was going to be an actor. Watching him do what he's doing, there is nothing that he has done or would do that would surprise me. Mm. Oh, that, that that's really spoken as a colleague and as a friend. You can really feel the warmth that, that, that you have for each other. That's really great. Well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Sean. We wanted to know what was the name of the album from which the Grammy for Best Rap Performance single came from? Helen, what did Sean say? The Fresh Prince. And uh, Mr. Jazzy Jeff? Oh, that wasn't right. Um, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I will give Sean credit that he got me right. Yeah. So that's my guy. Yeah. But okay. the album title was He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper. I knew that. Oh, darn. That's all right. Just couldn't pull it. You're, you're under pressure. By the way, that, of course, was the first double album in hip hop uh, history. Briefly, what was the motivation for releasing that as a double album? We had so many songs that, <laughs> that we, didn't wanna, we didn't want to give up. And yeah. when we were sequencing, trying to pick the songs, someone in the room said, can we do a double album? And everybody just kind of looked at each other and it was like, uh, uh, why not? <laughs> and there it was. Next, we wanted to know what was the Grammy winning single from that album? Helen, what did Sean say? Sean said Summertime. And DJ Jazzy Jeff? Summertime was a Grammy award winning single, but not from that album. It would be Parents Just Don't Understand. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Do you mind my asking how old you were when you made that song? I think I was 22. <laughs> and parents still didn't understand. Not at all. No, not just for teenagers. All right, no point there. Finally, we wanted to know who got that Grammy with Will Smith. Helen, what did Sean Devlin say? Sean said DJ Jazzy Jeff. And? Sean, you are absolutely right. (laughs) There you go. That's the one that matters most. A point there for Sean. Oh, it's so wonderful to talk with you, Jeff. Uh, Sean, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to our expert while we have him here? Yeah, I'm I'm honestly still in shock that you're here right now. (laughs) I don't have a question so much. I just want to give you some love and give you some flowers. You, I'm feeling a bit emotional. You guys kicked the door down on television, on music. And representation now is such a a big buzzword, but you were the first through the door in a really big way in a number of mediums. You did it with principles. So that protest that you boycotted that first nomination, you know, people continue to boycott, right? Like JC boycotted when DMX wasn't nominated. And nowadays they disproportionately put black performers on stage at the Grammys in comparison to the nominations. So you really set a precedent and drew a line for everyone that's come through the door after you. But maybe most interestingly, I hope you could listen to my album. I've been doing stand-up for 18 years. I absolutely will. But, But let me give you flowers for your comedy. If you listen to my album, 
you will see that the kind of joke that I love most is a rare kind of joke. It's a joke where the punchline doesn't come at the end. It's a joke where you know from the beginning what the punchline is going to be. <laughs> and instead, you're just tickling people because they already know what's going to happen in the end. But you're just taking them for that ride before you give that to them. I now realize that you were the first person I saw doing this kind of joke on the Fresh Prince wow. of Bel-Air. Every time you walked on screen, <laughs> we knew, oh, he's going to get thrown out the house. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's going to be the same clip. <laughs> it's going to be the same clip. And I swear, if you listen to my stand-up, I really adhere to a, same, a similar way of telling jokes. Wow. And I have no doubt that somehow you influenced that from a very early age. So thank you so much. I'm really wow. honored to be here with you. Wow. That, that was some of the nicest words anyone ever said. I cannot wait to listen to this album. And that was exactly right. I felt like I was the only non-actor on the show. <laughs> so the only thing I could be is myself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What oh, a wonderful wow. moment. Thanks. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Well, Jeff, it was so wonderful that you joined us. If people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they go? You can go to djjazzyjeff.com. You can download. I have an app in the app store, a DJ Jazzy Jeff app, that there's all kinds of cool music and mixtapes and shows and video clip. Just a peek behind the curtain of me traveling around the globe playing music for people. I am just, I'm so enjoying just the visual image of DJ Jazzy Jeff going down a very deep otter rabbit hole. <laughs> I can't wait for that track. You have, you have no idea how much I'm going to do that. Oh, please, please check back in with us. Let us, let us drop, let us be the first to drop that otter single. I sure will. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for joining us. DJ Jazzy Jeff, everybody. Thank you. Awesome. Helen, what is our score going into the final round? Oh, it's a tight game, J. Keith. At the end of that round, Allison Leiby has six points and Sean Devlin has seven points. All right. It is indeed close. Next is our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Allison and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Allison, diamonds can be mined in Africa. True. That is correct. Sean, diamonds can be mined in America. False. Incorrect. No, they really can. Allison, there are diamond mines in Arkansas. True. Correct. Sean, there's an Arkansas diamond mine that's in a state park. True. That is correct. Allison, it's called Diamond Mine State Park. True. Incorrect. No, I'm sorry. It's called Diamond Crater State Park. Sean, visitors to the park are allowed to search for diamonds. True. Correct. Yeah. Allison, visitors are allowed to keep any diamonds that they find. False. Incorrect. No, they really can. Sean, since it became a state park, only about 30 diamonds have ever been found there. True. Incorrect. No, a little more. Over 30,000 diamonds have been found there. Allison, the biggest diamond ever unearthed in the U.S. was found there. True. Correct. Sean, that huge diamond is called the Arkansas Diamond. True. Incorrect. Allison, it's called the Blue Diamond. True. Incorrect. Sean, it's called the Baseball Diamond. True. Incorrect. Allison, it's called the Neil Diamond. <laughs> Sadly false. <laughs> Correct. Sean, it's called the Diamonds Are Forever. False. Correct. Allison, it's called the Diamonds Are Just For A Little While. <laughs> false. Correct. Sean, it's called Diamonds Are Scarce But Not Rare. <laughs> false. <laughs> Correct. No, it's actually called the Uncle Sam Diamond. The Uncle Sam Diamond. Boring. All right. 
It is a little boring. Yeah, I think Neil Diamond would have been much better. <laughs> We're not going to count those last few, but I do want to thank Allison Livy and Sean Devlin as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score of tonight's game? Jay Keith, it is a tie. Right Whoa. now, Allison Livy has nine points, and Sean Devlin also has nine points. All right, Ow. that means we have to go to our tiebreaker. Here's how the tiebreaker works. The answer is a number. Whoever gets closer to the correct number wins. Now, we do not play prices Right style, so no guessing $1. I'll ask the question, think about it, and then I'll ask you to blurt out your answers at the same time on the count of three. So don't answer right away. All right, here is the question. According to VH1, in the song Roxanne by the police, how many times is the name Roxanne sung? How many times is Roxanne sung in the original recording of Roxanne by the police? I'll ask you to answer on the count of three. One, two, three. 17. 27. We had 17 and 27. I believe we have our first exact correct answer because it is 27. Congratulations, <laughs> Alison Livey. You nailed it 27 times. Did you, Congratulations. Know, did you know that or you guessed? No, I just arbitrarily picked a number. Oh, my God. You were totally right. That's insane. That's insane. It's time to go to Atlantic City. I think so. <laughs> well, congratulations, Allison. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you wow. do with your championship? I'm probably going to dedicate it to the otters. Yes. Uh, and also probably give it to DJ Jazzy Jeff as a <laughs> as good album art for his uh, <laughs> upcoming otter track. <laughs> Indeed. All right. That just leaves everybody here on the show to uh, promote anything that they would like that is upcoming. Allison Leiby, where can people find you and what are you up to? Uh, you can listen to Ruined. We have a new episode every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Ruined Podcast. I also wrote on and I'm doing some stand-up in an upcoming Comedy Central show called Comedy on Earth, which will air on Labor Day. Uh, so keep an eye out for that, depending on when you listen to this. And you can follow me um, at Allison Leiby on Twitter and Instagram, and I'll post where I'm doing shows in New York and around the country so you can come find and follow me. Excellent. Well, we're so happy that we found you for this show. Thank you so much for joining us, Allison Livey. Sean Devlin, what are you up to and where can people find you? I have a comedy album out. You can find it at seandevlin.website. You can also find my Instagram and Facebook links there, as well as some films that I've made. Excellent. We're so happy that you made time for us today. Sean Devlin, thanks for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Helen, you have so many things going on. Which will you choose to tell us about today? I would like to remind everyone that I have a YouTube channel with my parents. It is called Old Korean Dad Stories and sometimes mom. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at funny Helen Hong because that other at Helen Hong is she ain't funny. No, she ain't. Mm-mm. I'm the funny one. Nope. Follow me. Yep, yep. Follow you indeed. We will follow you to the ends of the earth. Ms. Helen Hong. Uh, and me, uh, please watch The Hustler on ABC. I wrote some of the questions on there and the answers, too. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Sean Devlin, Allison Leiby, Dr. Nicole Duplay, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday, we should have a special announcement about that pretty soon. It'll be free. Go to gofactorpod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like 
Hussy609 did. He, she, or they said, this podcast is the best. I want J. Keith Van Stratton to be my BFF. Thanks, Hussy609. That can probably be arranged. Ellen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton. It comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Today's show was engineered by Dave McKeever. Special thanks to Lynette Towns, Amia Williams, Jess Guinevan, Heidi Vanderley, Sabrina Fonfeder, Kevin Ferguson, Daniel McKenzie, Elliot Hochberg, Charlene Conley, Jimmy Marks, Sarah Rodenbach, Brandon J. Carr, Leora Saul, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Nedef, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go watch Will Smith movies. And pet otters, if they'll let us. Maybe we'll pet Will Smith, too. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.